Welcome to Life After Beauty School, What I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast for glampreneurs who want to take their business to the next level. If you struggle with building your clientele, marketing yourself on social media, working long hours behind the chair, or maybe you've been in the beauty industry for a while and you're tired of hustling and ready to run an effective business, you might want to stop and take a listen because this podcast is for you. I'm Deandra Giselle, hairstylist, business coach, and educator. I discuss real action plans and solutions to help you live a wealthy life. Now let's get into this podcast. Hello, Glampreneurs. You are listening to Life After Beauty School, aka Labs. Today is about finding your niche and how it completely transforms your business towards success. When you get specific and find your target audience, there is success there. I have someone here to help me on this topic, but before I introduce them, let me know in the comments if you have a niche, a niche or a technique or something that is unique about you because that's what this episode is about. My guest today is absolutely amazing. She embodies the specialness that we're talking about today. She has grown her business over the last years exponentially. She is the textured hair artist that transforms every client that walks into her chair. She's built her business from zero to highly requested several months in advance. Like she has booked out several months in advance. And I know you guys want that too. Not to mention her social media following has gone through the roof. So I'm so proud and honored to introduce to you guys, Nicolette, AKA rented hair. Nicolette, what's up? Hi guys. Hi. Hi. Are you excited? Yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm definitely excited. I love it. You guys are going to enjoy Nicolette because she is awesome and very talented, but she is so humble in the same process. And I think that, yes, I think that's, that's just amazing because you're like, oh, thank you. But you are, you are truly talented. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your business and how you got started being a hair artist. So, um, it wasn't something I ever thought of doing, of being a, any type of beauty professional in my life. Um, it was more like a hobby. I love doing my family's hair. I always love styling hair, getting ready for events. Um, I never really thought of it as a serious career. You know, I feel like as growing up with your family and they're hard workers, they want you to be the best. They want you to be really something really high end in career, something professional. And so when I wanted to do this, it was kind of like my last resort. I had tried so many things in my life and I just couldn't find my place. I knew I wanted to be in like some type of art field. I wanted to work with my hands. And then one day I decided, I'm like, I'm just going to go to cosmetology school. I'm going to get my license. I had to lie to my dad. It was so much drama, but here we are. I found this. Everybody's happy. And my family turned out to be really proud and it just takes took me a while to get here. So let's uh, stick a pin in that. Um, you had to lie to your dad because I feel like I, I went through a similar situation. You know, this is my second career being a hairstylist and my dad was not a hundred percent supportive of that. What was it that, you know, that you felt he wouldn't like about you being a hair artist? 
Okay, so the last thing I wanted to be was an architect. Now, seriously, almost ready to transfer. I was, I had done all my design work, everything. And he had already told all his family and friends I was going to be an architect. Super proud, super excited. And then one day I would just realize, I thought this was kind of boring. No, and I didn't want to be on the computer all day. I wanted to work with my hands. I What I loved about architecture is working with my hands and things like that, but it wasn't like that. That's old old school architecture. Mm. So now when I finally, when I actually switched, my mom bought my scrubs, my uniform for me. And he's like, what are you buying those for? And she's like, oh, Nicholas, Nicholas studying cosmetology school. And then he was like, what? And we had a big argument and he was telling me that it's a really bad job. It's not a respectable profession and that I just wasn't going to be anything. I wasn't going to make anything. And I told him, you know, there's like, you can be a lot as a hairstylist and you know me, like I try my best at everything. So I can't see how it wouldn't work. You know, I love to do this. I'm going to try my best. I mean, you can make it, you know, it doesn't matter what field you're in. You can do it. So I would always try to tell him that. And he just couldn't understand uh, until now. He's like super excited, always trying to give me ideas for my business. And it's just crazy how it's gone. Dads come around. They come around at some point. Um, My dad did the same exact thing. Oh, you want to work on your feet all day. It's not a profession where you can make a lot of money. And like, you know, looking back, my dad was an art teacher and I'm like looking at what teachers make. I'm like, dad, I've definitely made more money than you, you know? (laughs) And it's just because of, it wasn't until he branched out into his own entrepreneurship, but I think it's just an old, like their generation. It just wasn't a profession that was thought of like it is today, but that's interesting. So tell us about your business. What type of hairstylist are you? And just kind of how you decided to narrow down your niche Uh in your business. So I am a, first and foremost, a hair cutter. Uh, and then I am a hair cutter, a curly hair specialist. Um, I always wanted to be a curly hair specialist. I didn't think that people would trust me so soon in my business. But um, once I started doing curly hair, I found that I really loved it. It felt very sculptural and um, really fun, more of like an artistic outlet. You know, it's not a cookie cutter haircut. They're very tailored to everybody. So it allows me to be more on the creative side of hair and beauty instead of just kind of like making something standard for everybody. Um, But yeah, that's my little niche. I found success in it. Thank God. Um, Well, I think your, your background, like how you said you wanted to be an architect, like that artisticness, being able to see people and tailor their haircuts is actually a gift because even though you're you a lot of people just learn how to cut hair and they just put that same haircut on everybody but where the artwork comes in is when you can look at people's face and their hair and their the texture and like oh I should do this and this like you're not stuck to you -hmm. know the different degrees and this is how we were taught to do the haircut so I'll do it this way so how was it when you first started building your clientele like right after Cosmo school you know, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to build my clientele. What was that like? So I had, I had a gap 
right after school because right when I was in school, I got pregnant. And so right after I took my test, I was already seven months. And after that, I just had my baby right after I got my license. And then I was like in baby mode, stay at home mom kind of like mode for about like a year and a half. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. So I would do a couple weddings, maybe a couple like uh, friends I knew, friends of friends. They would come to my house. I would do their hair, but it wasn't much. Um, I was just a stay at home mom and my my ex at the time we lived together we're kind of just doing that family thing and I like kind of settled a little bit you know but when my daughter's around two and a half I actually decided you know what I'm kind of like going out of style like all the things I know I don't I'm not they're not really kind of in style anymore so if I don't start working now I don't know if I'll ever be able to jump back in in the beauty industry Mm. like my makeup was out of style my everything about me was like going downhill because I had been home for so long I haven't been a part of the beauty industry really or practicing in it I was like I gotta get out there like there's nothing I can do so even if I was working part-time I started working at a salon in Riverside and I only worked a couple days a few days a week just to like get started again and I had zero clientele I worked for the salon and when I worked for the salon, I had zero clients. So they kind of just fed you anything and everything. Highlights, cuts, color corrections. Luckily, I had my own chair, which was very stressful for me. But I feel like having my own chair, I was able to like hand out all my cards to every single client. Mm-hmm. Right before I started working, I gave, I made business cards. And so every client I had in my chair, even though they weren't mine, they were the salons. I gave a client a card just so they knew who I was um, in case I ever moved or they can contact me or make an appointment with me. Just kind of remember my name. I really didn't build a lot of clientele there. I ended up leaving that salon because I auditioned for the Benjamin Salon in downtown LA in the Arts District. Got it. So then I just decided I'm going to go for this because this is an exciting chance for me to move up in my career. I had only been working in the salon for like six months or so off and on. And so when I got there, I had zero clients and I had just moved everything to LA. I didn't expect anyone was going to come from Riverside to LA. It's like a 45, 50 minute drive. So when I finally got there, I actually started putting out Instagram ads. So when you did Instagram ads, like, you know, you're just starting out, you don't have a ton of money. Would you say what were like, what was the amount that you were putting out there for Instagram ads? So I started with the $5 ads. I didn't see too much, whatever. I did $2, I did $5. But one day I'm like, I'm just going to do 15. Let's see what happens. And it turned out 15 was like a sweet spot. Um, it wouldn't have to be too extreme. It didn't have to be too little. 15 wheels. I was like, I could spend $15. Like I'll go out to eat like with 15 bucks, you know, no problem. So I would put that maybe once a week, $15. And I figured it'd be like a tip I got. And I didn't expect tips anyway. So I was just spend my little tips on my ads. And that, I kid you not, uh, the first week I didn't have any clients there at the Benjamin Salon. They were very, they wanted you to be proactive and get your own clients. So I was like so stressed because I was driving so far to that salon and I was panicking about getting clients. So I was praying so hard. I was tithing hard and I was trying to make sure like I 
did whatever I could to try to get clients. The very next week, my second week working there, I was completely booked out from my ads and I've been booked out ever since. Okay. So we're going to pause there because uh, people, I, even I will see those ads and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like it's a waste I of money. <laughs> I've seen that. And I'm like, this is just a waste of money. But I do want to say on top of the ads, like let's talk about your Instagram profile because you can do those ads. And if you don't have anything for people to see, I don't know if it would be as successful. So what did your Instagram profile look at that point so at that point I had a few color um I had cleaned up my whole Instagram for the interview at the Vengeance Salon when I got the interview I looked at their aesthetic for their salon and it was very artistic very clean very uh, editorial looking so I was like okay I need to like mine has to look as good close as it can be to something like that because if they're going to be at that level I need to be at that level Mm-hmm. So I took out all the work that I thought wasn't very clean. It wasn't sharp. Even if I had just a few posts, I thought it would be better than having a bunch of posts that weren't in, what's the word, brand, I guess. Yeah. They needed to be on brand, looking exactly how I wanted it to look, very clean, very professional, very artistic, editorial. I wanted to be at a higher level. Mm -hmm. I deleted everything that wasn't right. I edited a lot of photos. I reposted photos. I made sure they were clean, precise, but like true to what they were. Not not edited like color or anything like that, but just clean backgrounds, things like that. And I feel like those photos, because I when I look at photos online, I want to see something like, oh yeah, like that's what I want. Like I want mm -hmm. that. Yes, I understand it. It reads well. Those are important because if it's too messy. There's too many things in the background. It's not good lighting. You can't see what the subject is. It's a bad photo. You're not really advertising very well. Like you're not giving yourself a chance to even be seen by people. You said so many good things there. Like the first thing that I'm thinking about is how you researched the salon you were trying to work at and notice like, okay, this is the caliber they're at. I want to match that or get as close to that as I can. That was the first thing. And then the attention to detail. But I have to say, you guys, a little sidebar. Nicolette was one of my students. She's actually the very first class I've ever taught. So I really didn't know what I was doing as an instructor. But I was just like, I'm going to be an, a Cosmo instructor. But she's always paid attention to detail. Even your mannequin pictures in school were like, I'm like, dang. Because usually we don't encourage you guys to put mannequins up there. But I was like you should put that up there. But it was the attention yeah. to detail. So like you saying that you research the salon to match their aesthetics or their brand. And then you took out every single picture that was a bad photo. So bad lighting and all of that. How did you determine what was a bad photo? Because I will say this to other Cosmo students, so I'm blue in the face and I still get doorknobs in the background, light switches, like bad lighting. You're like, you guys, at least all white at the very minimum. I think I learned this when I was studying in architecture. We had to photograph our models all the time mm -hmm. and they had to be such high quality and such perfection. My instructors were super anal about what was in the background, the lighting, if it was real, like it needed to be professional looking. And I didn't have any professional cameras or anything like that. And also the editing needed to be right. 
So that's where I kind of learned how to do that. But the idea was a clean background is always the best bet. Yeah. Very clean because the idea is even this right here, like my, this is a no, (laughs) no, I don't want texture. I don't want, I maybe a plan. I don't know, but it depends on what you're shooting. Right. So say for hair, I'm doing haircuts and the shape is the important part. Mm-hmm. Shape will get lost if there's things sticking out on top of the shape. But when I'm in a clean background, we can see the shape perfectly. Girl, I should have you back on here on pictures. Like we uh. should, we should talk about because <laughs> that right there, you guys, your pictures speak volumes now. Like walking up to someone and saying, I'm an awesome hairstylist, so you should come see me is not enough. And even if they do take your card, the first they're gonna, thing they're going to do is look you up on Instagram. Exactly. And if your profile looks a hot mess, that's it. You know what I mean? That's it. I don't want to go to someone that doesn't look like they know what they're doing. Like, yeah, we're hairstylists, but you also have to be an editor. You have to be a photographer. You have to know how to market yourself because you're your own business. And if you don't know that, your business will suffer, especially because we're in the digital age. It was something I never wanted to be a part of. I hated social media. I didn't want to put all my pictures out there. I was like, no, no, no. But now that's the only thing that propelled me so far forward is just actually just being like, forget it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to get over it. And now it, it paid off, you know, just to put that extra effort in my work. Absolutely. Okay. So now let's talk about your Instagram page, because we know that's really how a lot of people are searching for their hairstylist now you made sure you cleaned it up and you did you have a website at that point or was it just so solely social media only social media I just recently made my website after I opened my business but before that I only had social media and that was it and so you stuck at $15 per week Mm -hmm. which you're right that is not a huge sacrifice it could be for some but I mean start small I get it yeah I mean I had nothing like literally nothing it was just me and my baby I have to I had to live with my family I had just left my fiance at the time I had it was nothing I had I had maybe five hundred dollars in my account like just to get me through the week and things like that and I was like okay I'm just gonna take this as a investment in myself I'm going to try because there's no other way I can get clients in the middle of COVID. I go out handing out my business cards like people used to do. That was a no way. There's no way I could start my business in the middle of COVID. I was like, it has to be online. There's no way I'm going to get people. So you were at the the Benjamin Salon, the salon in, in Los Angeles. At what point, and then you transitioned that into your own business? Yeah. So I was working there for honestly just a few months. And I told you like, even after like second or third week, I was fully booked from then on. Now, the truth is it was a wonderful salon, Benjamin, his wife, everybody there is wonderful. The truth is I just didn't get paid enough. Mm-hmm. And I travel far. It really wasn't enough to support us. So I had to have a long talk with him telling him, um, I actually have to leave. Like, I have to do my own thing and start my own business just because I don't make enough money here. I have so much clientele and it just isn't working for me. So I left that place and I was just casually searching for studios. I just saw one open. And I thought the spot was amazing. I didn't really have too, too much money, but I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. Like I have the clientele. 
nobody has clientele like this. I'm just going to get up and go. Wow. You took the risk. Uh, yeah. Just like jumped in it, just dove straight into it. And so that's sweet. That's the Pasadena suite, right? Mm-hmm. And Pasadena is not cheap. Like, <laughs> It's not, it's not, if you guys are not in California, um, it's like one of the, it's like old school. Like there's a part of Pasadena where they call it old money. Like it's where people who have been there for years, their family, family, family. And so the, if you could just think of an area like that, you can only imagine what it's like to rent a space from there. It's not going to be inexpensive yet. It's like, I like Pasadena because it's the center of kind of a lot of major cities. I agree. It's in the middle of a lot of areas and the area itself is super nice and it's very special, I think, to LA. It is. It is. So like people will travel to Pasadena because of just the vibe it is. Yeah. There. Once you say Pasadena, they're like, oh, oh, Pasadena. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. I I'll come. There, I'm going to be saying it all the time. Be like, yeah, I live in Pasadena, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So what, okay. So that risk was opening up your own suite. You already had the clientele to do that though. And I think we need to talk about that because uh, studio salon suites are very popular now, but a lot of people will get suites before they can afford their suite. So was there a benchmark of, okay, I'm making X amount of money or I could, I have this clientele, I'm making this amount of money. I can afford this suite. Did you do like some sort of analysis before deciding to get the suite? So I knew that when I got the suite, I had to raise my prices. So that was another thing I was very worried about that maybe even though I went to this new suite, that even when I raise my prices, nobody's going to follow me. And what was the whole point of getting the suite? And so I was in a panic all the time, but I always am a firm believer in praying and trusting in the will of God and the will for my life. And I know that if I just do what I feel is right and I feel where God is guiding me, I will be fine. Yep. So all of these were just like me jumping off a cliff, free falling. And I'm like, I don't have an option anyways. I might as well just try it. I mean, worst case scenario is... I'm back where I started. You know, I kind of was like in a place where I had nothing to lose. So yeah, I had, I knew I had to raise my prices and I did raise my prices and it didn't skip a beat. Everybody was willing to pay the new price. It wasn't a problem. It was fine. Yeah. It's all in how you do it though. But I I will, I do want to say when it comes to fear, one of the things that I do, because I took a huge leap, not really being behind the chair anymore. Like I was like, I do a few clients here and there, but I was like, I'm not going to be in the salon anymore. And what I allowed myself to do is go through all the scenarios. Like I literally went down the rabbit hole and when I was thinking them through and I was like, that makes no sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And I was like, oh, if I quit working the salon, like I won't be able to provide for my family. We're going to live in our car. And I'm like, there's so many things that need to happen before that gets there. And um, so that's one exercise to let yourself go through the craziness and then look at that and say, that's stupid. Like that, that's, it can't happen. Like there's so many things that need to happen. But the other part of that is um, you did it afraid anyway. Even to this day, I'm always shitting bricks. I'm always scared. (laughs) It's just like, 
I always feel like it's better to just do it than to not do it. Yeah. You look back and you're like, I should have did that. I should have done that. And I feel like I say that all the time. So now that I have a daughter, I just feel like I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Before I would be like very nonchalant and casual about things. But after I had my daughter, I'm like, no, it's do or die. Like it must happen. Like I'm not going to die. Like it's going to happen. And now I'm just like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, kids will make you fight harder. You know what I mean? Because you're like, I don't want, well, for me, because I had my son so young, I had him at 19. I was in college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was all over the place, but he's what made me get serious because I was kind of floating like, well, I'm in school. I'll figure out my major later. Like, and then it's like, no, I have to figure this out he's depending on me. So how do you think you've started focusing on haircutting and textured hair? And how do you think that that really changed your business? Because to be honest, like you do awesome updos, you do like you can do a lot. Yeah. So what made you just focus on, you know, those specific areas? Okay. So when I first got into the salon, my main goal when I was not even that. Even when I was in school, I knew I just wanted to be a hairstylist. I love styling hair. I would run to do a special event, maybe behind the scenes, backstage, things like that. Um, that's what was my main goal. I wanted to be in the union. That's the only thing I, I could care about. I didn't think about anything else. Like I could care about, I could care less about color, cutting, whatever. So when I actually started working in the salon, I did it just because I had to. And I never wanted to work in a salon. And when I finally worked in the salon and I started doing a lot of haircuts, I started having a lot of fun doing haircuts. And I hated color. I mean, I did it and it was okay. And even updos and things like that. But the haircutting was just so fun. It came so natural. And I also was able to style it after. Yeah. You're not getting the special events in the salon all the time. It's Mm -hmm. once in a while, maybe on a Saturday if you're working. Um, But the haircutting... I could give people that style after the cut. And what I really didn't realize about hairstyling was that haircutting is the foundation for the style. If you don't have a good haircut, you're not going to have a good hairstyle. And as I was going in there, I started getting a couple curly clients and I got really excited because I was like, oh my gosh, I could sculpt this hair. Like, this is my chance to prove myself. And they came out so well. And I think one of my first clients... She, the haircuts were $50 at the time. She paid me $50. She said she had been to every curly hairstylist in the LA area, Orange County, everywhere. She went to Weeda. She went to the Diva Salon. She went everywhere. She said, it's a thing. And she came back that she would always cry. She got her hair. Her husband already knew like, oh, you're getting your haircut today. She's like, yeah. And he goes, okay, like. He knew it was already a problem. I did her haircut. As she's telling me this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this girl's going to cry. I'm going to have a bad day. I can't deal with the stress. We cut her hair. I tried my best. She was so happy. She almost started crying. And I was but like, good tears, guys. Yeah, yeah. Good, <laughs> good tears. And I was excited. And then she gave me a $50 tip, even though my haircut was $50. And I just felt so happy to change someone's life like that. Like she had gone through most of her life upset, hating the salon, hating getting haircuts. And I was like, this is so nice to do that for somebody 
It was a success. I had fun doing it. I had fun styling it. Whenever I got my curly clients, I had the most fun doing it. I feel like when I have a good bond with the person and I'm enjoying what I'm doing, the work comes out so great. And it was just fun, you know? Yeah. Going on from there. Yeah, that's funny. You said that's actually how I started doing extensions was to be able to help women just kind of deal with their hair challenges. And the, the feeling that you get when they are so happy and, you know, they're like, thank you. And you're like, this is why I do what I do, you know? Exactly. So that is awesome. But tell me, how did you separate yourself? Because curly hair specialists or texture specialists is a thing right now. Like curly hair is hot right now. How do you separate yourself from everyone else? When I do someone's hair, I do it for them. I do what they want and not what I want. I want big hair. I wish everybody could have a fro. That's what I want. But it's better to do what they want. And even though it makes me cringe when someone doesn't want any volume, I'm like, you're like, it's curly hair. What do you mean? I'm like, what do you, what do you talk? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Like, no volume. No, like, no, I want it flat. I'm like, oh my gosh. But just to do those things for those people and give them exactly what they want, even if it's not what I want, I think it makes them happy because someone's listening, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I, I know what I want and I don't want to, I don't want someone to give me flat hairs. I don't want them to give me, you know, like this little flat, long layers. Like, no, that's what I hear from a lot of clients is that when they go get their haircut, nobody will give them what they want. Mm. Even my clients that want big hair, they just see, can't seem to get it because people are afraid to cut the big layers you know what i mean the big hair to style it really big everybody wants to like tame curly hair down and i'm like no let's just make it big like let's just do it like don't be afraid let's get in it you know yeah yeah that's a good thing to just really talk about is listening to your clients um that's the point of the consultation that's the point of getting to vibe with your clients but i still think that people are like well or they're not comfortable like the hairstylist is not comfortable doing certain things and i always say that if you're uncomfortable to do someone's hair you guys are not a good match they can feel it i can feel it Something is off in the room. We're in a studio. It's not like I can hide from them or they can hide from me. I can walk in the back room. It's right there in front of us. Mm -hmm. So there's no getting away from that. It has to be, we have to be 100 with each other. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work. So let's talk about raising prices because a lot of hairstylists don't like to do that. Or they're, ter they, I shouldn't say they don't like to. Everybody wants to raise their prices. Sure. But it's the uncomfortability of having the money conversation. So how did you raise your prices? How did you just get in there and be like, okay, I'm going to do this? I, it's always a problem for me, but I somehow managed to make it happen. Okay. So I first started off at $50 haircuts. That was at my first salon. And then when I moved to the Benjamin salon, everybody was 75. And then three months later, when I opened my studio, it was a hundred. A few months later, I raised it again. It was 150. So it's like every three months, the prices are actually going up right now. And I do get very scared about it. But then I realized about that one time and I raised it from 75 to 100, even though I was barely starting to build my clientele and jump to the next level. Nobody cared. I was the only one that cared. Yeah, I got one message from somebody saying, why are you doing this or whatever? And I'm just like, 
I'm trying to live. Like I want to buy a house one day and it's just me. You know, that's what I think about when I raise my prices. I'm like, am I going to buy a house for me and my daughter? Am I just going to live with my parents forever? Yep. No way. Like these people want these haircuts. If they wanted these haircuts and they support me and they respect me as a person that's trying to survive as well. I mean, they have to be willing to pay the price because I'm not going to be doing this and killing myself and taking my time away from my daughter and not be living a normal life. So I always say you have to take the emotions out of pricing because people will pay for what they want. I mean, I'll do it all the time. I may think something's expensive, but if I want to do it, I make the adjustments to be able to do it. And the last podcast episode that I did is was talking about if you are in demand, your prices need to go up. And the reason being as a hairstylist is it's supply and demand. Well, when supplies are limited, the demand is higher. So they charge more to get rid of some of the demand. So for example, our our supply is our time and our skill. Well, we can't increase that. Like we can increase our skill, but we can't increase our time. Exactly. So I was reading this yesterday because I am going to increase again starting for the new year. I want to move to the next level with me and my daughter. I'm not going to wait till I get married to figure it out. Like I have to do it for us first. I was reading a Forbes article and they were talking about, imagine you raise your prices by 50%, right? So if for me, that's around 225 from 150 to 225, say half of all your clients disappeared, you're still making the same amount of money with less product and less time. I was going to say, you still, less product, less time. I always coach people to raise your prices. You may get, let me tell you something. If you're good, you may get clients that are going to leave. Like you probably are. But what happens is they go find someone else. Oh, And they'll be back to you. Absolutely. And they'll come all messed up. And then we're like, we got to top it off. You know, (laughs) it happens all the time. Yeah. It's because like you have something to offer that nobody else can offer. Mm -hmm. People realize that because it's your personality. It's the way you act. It's how you cut their hair or whatever service you're providing. It's you they want. You know, when I go for hours in a salon or whatever, when I get my nails done, I don't mind paying my nail lady a good amount. And they're not going to even laugh. Even when I used to get my nail lady, they last a long time these days. But I used to get my nails done. I didn't mind paying top dollar. I wanted the nice work, like even if they were going to last two or three weeks, I was going to pay like a hundred something dollars and that's just for nails. You know what I mean? This is hair. Like this is on my head. It's your crown. This is what people are going to see. Yeah. I could pop my nails off, but I can't take this off. Mm -hmm. So I always try to think about it like that. Like this is on someone's head. It's just super special. You know, and it has to reflect the price sometimes. It has to, not only that, but um, the time and energy that you have taken to perfect your skill one and the environment that you are giving your clients and and the way that you're treating them it's all a vibe it's all a thing and if you're doing top dollar work top dollar experience they should be paying for that absolutely like i always try to be as kind and understanding i use i try to use the best products the best shears the best blow dryer the best everything really i don't want them to feel anything like they're settling or that they just landed there i want them to feel like oh like i chose to go there because i like everything about it she's not being cheapy with me she's not rushing me out of the door she's not late you know everything is 
nice. Yeah. That's what I want to go. I want to go to the salon when I get my nails done or whatever. I want it to be nice. I don't want it to feel like, oh, she did this again, whatever. Oh, she did this again. I hate feeling like that personally. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm the same way. And I also don't like when my um, nail tech is late. Like, cause no. I'm a very time, I'm very True. time regimented. So I'm like, if you're going to be late, cause stuff happens, you know what I mean? Just let me know. I could get some food. I could do something else. Exactly. I can like take, use my time. Like whatever I was going to do after your appointment, I can do it before the appointment now. Mm-hmm. But those little things like being a, a human being and being aware of people's time and being respectful is what changes. I think Tell me this, how are you marketing yourself now? Are you still doing Instagram ads or is it more word of mouth? How's that working out? So now I haven't done Instagram ads since like the first month and a half I was working at my last salon and I haven't done anything since. Wow. So now I think it's just word of mouth and just the traffic from Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just becoming natural now all the followers, the likes, everything is very natural. So you are no longer really having to put a ton of investment into the marketing because your clients see and listen guys that's how that works if you make the sacrifice in the beginning you will get clients it is crazy i am not working behind the chair anymore and i still get people like hey are you doing hair and this is from not even social media traffic this is from my clients you know before like oh i had a hairstylist and blah 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 and they or even you how you walk around because i look at nicolette those yeah. of you guys who are listening versus watching i look at her and i see her hair and it's curly and i'm like oh my god i love well i like big hair but i'll be like oh my god i, I love that oh her hair looks great i want to ask her who does her hair mm-hmm. you know that's a big one too i always thought my hair I, as much as i hate to do it if I always do my hair and then they're like, oh, where'd you get that cut? And I'm like, oh, I did it myself. And I can, it's just like already an opener, like I'm always advertising myself all the time. Hair should be right. If you're yeah. Hair, hair should be right all the time. Yeah. I was going to say, I do extensions. So my clients think it's one day I'll come and my hair is like blonde and it's long and it's curly and then it's short and it's straight. And then it's like, you know, they're like, what are you doing? You like change your hair. I was like, I'm an extension specialist. I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They the love most. that. <laughs> yes, exactly. But here's the the other interesting thing, though, is that if you're going to charge those high prices, you have to look like what you want to charge. Exactly. I also find that a little wiggle room in there. I used to think that, but after working at the Benjamin Salon, they took a very more artistic approach. And it was the first time I realized that people could be themselves in the salon. Mm hmm. Always felt that it was like all black, this and that, full face of makeup, hair. These days, I find that just being my own personal style, obviously not like in like a bomb, but like finding my own self. I feel like when I see an artist and I see them in their zone dressed as they are, I'm like, you look like you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you and- care less because you're like, I'm sorry, like, it's just who I am. You want a haircut or not? You know? Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Like, look like what you want to charge because people yeah, exactly. are attracted to you. Like, people are attracted to, to me based on what they're interested in, right? You're a beauty expert. Yes, exactly. So- 
they are going to be they're automatically like if my hair was curly, I would be drawn to you because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I love her hair. I love her vibe. Like, I want that. You know what I mean? And that's what attracts people. But if you look like a bum and let me tell you, there would be times where I would be at the salon at 6 a.m., like at there at six. I'm not coming decked out. Like I That's have very true. Yes. Yeah. I have, but I'm cute, but I have on like cute sweats and some nice shoes. Like I'm not dirty. I'm not, you know what I mean? I would at least still have my hair done at minimum. Yes. The hair yeah, is always a yes. Cause sometimes I do have to work like 14 hour days. Sometimes I just can't make it there. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have, I keep it short so that I know that I can keep my hair really nice all the time. If it's too long, I'm not going to be able to style it enough in enough time for my clients. So this is like a strategic haircut that I can cut myself, that I can style very fast and I can always look presentable, you know? Yeah. How is it managing your clientele now? Have you found that it's a bit overwhelming now that you have a lot more people interested in you or how is that going? At first I found it overwhelming to reply to so many messages a day. You want to be respectful of people. And I know if I mess with somebody, I get excited if I get a response back. So it's not that I'm trying to ignore people or anything. So I, I want to make sure that I put that effort out. So it's like my business is my clients are like round the clock interaction these days. And I'm sure one day I won't have to do that. But right now I want everyone to feel like they're heard. They've been seen. It's a it's a lot. Obviously, sometimes there's certain things I will not reply to online or to clients if they're just asking me. Random people are asking me, "What products do you use? Oh, what's this haircut called? Um, what do I ask for my stylist?" And the truth is, you got to make an appointment. Yeah, your hair, and I'll tell you what to do. That's it. Like, and I can't tell you the haircut because everyone is special. Every haircut is special for all my clients. So Nicola, we've talked about a lot of stuff and like, honestly, you guys, I think she has so much information. I'm going to invite her back to just talk about like just the knowledge. Yes. You, (laughs) she, you have, you guys have no idea to see her grow. Like she's always had talent and she's always been someone that has you know, been serious about what they're doing, but to see how much you've grown and how your business have grown. It's so exciting to me to just see you like when you got the suite and I'm like, are you down? Are you down the hall? Yeah, I saw you there. I was like, hi, hi there. <laughs> yeah. So to see that and you're still there and I see your growth and I see people talk like some of my students I had mentioned, our current students, I had mentioned like, yeah, you know, you should get a specialty and this is what it looks like. And I um, use their in- your Instagram as a like demonstration of what a clean Instagram looks like and what a specialty looks like. And a lot of them already knew you. Oh, And I was like, what? You know, like it's it's crazy how this world works. So this just goes to show you that when you are super specific, when you really know what you want to do, when you do what is true to you as a hairstylist, I think that's where that success like kind of takes off. You know what I mean? Okay, so we're coming to the end of the podcast and at the end of every episode, I always ask the guests to give us a quote or something, words that you live by so that you can empower and inspire the listener. So do you have a quote to share with us or words to live by? Yes, it's something that always goes through my head. 
whenever I get scared, whenever I get nervous about raising prices or changing things or anything at all, I always think if God can be for you, who can be against you? Yes. I feel safe. Yes. Oh, why did Angela Bassett do that when she won? I saw that the other day and I was like, yeah, she knows, she knows. (laughs) Yes, and her attitude when she said it, I'm like, you know what? I knew it. I just was like, she understands. She understands. Yeah, and that's encouraging. Um, At the end of the day, we know that everyone has their own beliefs. Everyone has something. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that there is someone, something, a higher being that is going to give you the strength to move forward. And for us... We believe it's God. The end of the day, if you only think it's you, that is so much stress. <laughs> I can't. I, I don't even know where I would be. I probably wouldn't have done half the stuff that I've done so far. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. So thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know in the comments what is your niche. Or if you are inspired to find one, don't forget to leave a rating and follow Nicolette on IG. She is rented hair. You guys will be able to find her. You'll know exactly when you see those clean profile pictures. (laughs) Like, okay, that's her. I promise you, you'll be inspired by her work. Also, I will be posting this interview that you're listening to on YouTube. So go ahead and follow me on YouTube. My name is Deandra Giselle on all social media platforms. There'll be business building tips on a regular basis. Nicolette, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was fun. fun. Yes. Thank you. Until next time, Glampreneurs, stay connected.